Hello. <laughs> Here we go. I love it. Today's episode is uh, episode, episode, episode. Working on my English skills again. Today's episode is pretty exciting. I'm really happy to uh, have you listening. And uh, I'll talk about that in a minute. I'm going to talk about Guadalupe Coffee Roastery right now. This coffee is so good. I was with a few buddies yesterday, buddy of mine, Ian and uh, Oscar, and we were walking around San Diego, grabbing a bit of food, stopped by bookstore, all those lovely sort of Saturday things. I sucked them into going to a plant store with me. I love plants. I was looking for a pot. Uh, anyways, we were talking a bit about caffeine. It was really interesting, and I, um, well, one of my friends, Ian, he doesn't, he doesn't really, I don't know if he said he doesn't drink any caffeine. I think that's what it was. He doesn't, he's no caffeine at all or very limited, and uh, I love caffeine. I, I think, like anything, it's it's moderation. Um, however, just the taste of coffee, and I, I don't have the taste buds for bitters, so it's a different taste for me than it is for 90, what, 6% or 97% of the population, because there's, there's like something like 2 to 4% of people that have the same experience as me in terms of genetics and not having that genetic coding for the bitter taste literally just don't know what it tastes like can't acknowledge it's kind of like someone that couldn't see the color red so as we're talking about caffeine and um, I'm already naturally a hyper person like even starting this podcast today I was all amped up just having Ezra come by and I need I don't need caffeine to be excited or, or hyper or just get pumped up about things I have a lot of energy I think it has to do with sleep and and you know, kind of training your brain, a, l- a lot of different things anyways, but it's like, hey man, you want some coffee? So I was making some, you know, ground up some some beans and a um, little bit of Guadalupe roastery, but I talked to my buddies, it's, it's interesting, I've had this conversation a lot with people lately, have some friends that have like, they're not doing caffeine at all anymore, some really like it, and I, I think it's interesting how all things, you know, impact folks uh, in different ways, and so I am a huge fan of coffee. I've actually been switching up my coffee routine a little bit on the weekends, kind of going back and forth. And I had a, a a small cup before a workout the other day and, you know, didn't really feel it too much with the weightlifting. But when I got to the cardio, I was like amped up doing the cardio. I do that at the end of my workouts usually. And I just felt like you like I was pushing harder than I normally would. It was only, you know, 20 minutes-ish of, of cardio, um, but I love it. And so I just wanted to give a shout-out to Guadalupe Roastery for fueling the cardio portion of my workout maybe yesterday, the other day. It was pretty good. So uh, if you like – oh, we got a little phone action. If you like coffee, if you don't like coffee, if you're even interested in – just what their website looks like. <laughs> Check out Guadalupe Coffee uh, Roasters, GuadalupeRoastery.com. Um, usually their information is somewhere on the YouTube. It's, you can find it. It's out there. Super good. Guadalupe, G-U-A-D-A-L-U-P-E Roastery. We're testing out my my reading skills. I'm actually not reading. I probably should be reading. Maybe I should start writing these things down. What do you think? Let me know what you think. If I should start writing these things down. A little script ahead of time. I love to just 
uh, go in here and, and share some thoughts with folks. So, hey, that's my plug for Guadalupe Roastery. Oh, if you put Derek in there, D I'm definitely going to write these down now. I'm going, oh my gosh, what's my name? How do you do the promo code? D-E-R-E-K. Uh, Derek gets you 10% off an order from them. They've got mugs. They've got all kinds of cool stuff. I've been drinking Guadalupe Roastery for years, and I'm just a huge, huge fan of their company, what they're all about. So check out a little bit of caffeine in a cup from Guadalupe Roastery. Uh, what else we got? Okay, so this episode was super fun. Um, Ezra is a dude uh, down in San Diego. I was connected with him a couple years ago, and we, we actually talk about this a little bit towards the end of the podcast too. And it was, uh, I, I almost actually, I started tearing up a little bit as he was kind of sharing his experience last time we, we met. And uh, super cool guy. Just, you're going to hear it in his voice. He is um, just a, a good person. And um, I admire his like dedication to his dream and his vision. He's been building a business over the last several years and um, a family guy and, and just very passionate about, you know, enjoying life and, and, and learning and sharing that experience with others. So um, he runs a company called Gridiron uh, Flags and uh, it's just super cool. It was great having Ezra on the show. We, we talk about you know, what we talk about on this show and hearing it in his words was uh, really special. So what more can you say than it's time to bring on the next episode with uh, our special guest today, the amazing Ezra Shavarin. Shavarin. Oh, his last name, Shavarin. Shavarin. Shavarin sounds pretty cool, man. I'm going to go with that. (laughs) I love you to death, Ezra. See, this is the real secret of life, to be completely engaged with the here and now. Everybody wants to fulfill the highest, truest expression of yourself. It it, it was all a dream. Today is about the power of you. You've now entered the Human Derek Podcast. All right, testing. Hello. Cool. Hello, hello. Testing one, two, three. There we go. <laughs> Green light. It's <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. So, um, yeah, so that is, uh, that is, let's get this all put up here. Um, have you ever had kombucha? I have. I had some hard kombucha and some normal kombucha. I don't really need that with this table. It's, it's a cheap table on purpose. Spill stuff on it, whatever. Um, the, uh, like you were just talking about, like, being influenced by things. Um, I don't, like, alcohol, none of that stuff. My body just a few years back decided no more for me. Yeah, I, I gave up uh, alcohol August 2019. Oh, okay. August 2019, I haven't been drinking. But uh, I, what I meant by that was, you know, anytime. I drink, I guess you could call it a lightweight, right? <laughs> Anytime <laughs> I drink coffee, anything like that, it kind of perks me up, perks me right up. Like, so if I were to take CBD drinks or something like that, I'm sure I'll, I'll feel the effect right away. So, yeah. Um, which is not a bad thing, but, you know, as long as you can control that and, and, and <laughs> stay on top of that. So, yeah, I, I think sometimes for those things too, it's, uh, 
Like I'm, I remember being around someone like a music festival and they take something and they're like, they're not doing so well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's mostly the mind. I mean, well, it's all the mind, like just starts spinning and everything. And so like helping them get centered or kind of bring it back around or even kind of letting go of the control part sometimes yeah. to bring it back yeah totally totally i think uh so last year was my first time doing psychedelic mushrooms and <laughs> it was me and my buddy and we went out fishing and it was just him and i and it was a beautiful day in san diego and we went out fishing and we didn't, we only caught one fish all day but i had the best <laughs> day of my life like it was amazing but uh yeah I, th- I think it just it just it just comes down to kind of like uh your mindset going into those uh days and and going into those uh adventures you could call them or whatnot so i think i had a pretty good uh, mindset when i went out fishing with with a really close friend of mine and spent the whole day on a boat out in sea beautiful day and it was just like kind of (laughs) set the stage for a good adventure you could say i think any yeah you know you want to bring it a little just bring a little bit closer a little closer tweak it and kind of pull it up and there you go yeah, you want to get it like right up in the right there. Cool. Yeah, that'll get Got right it. Yep, yep, cool. Yep. All right. Yeah, you can make yourself comfy. So, uh, all right. Cool. Yeah, but I think it's kind of funny because you know some people, not everybody's accepting of, of something like mushrooms, and so right. like, what if they make you crazy? I think if anybody were going to use them for the first time, you know, put them to work. Last year was crazy enough, so why not? Yeah. <laughs> why not give it a try then? Yeah, yeah. My cousin, my cousin, uh, kind of shared some with me. I didn't go out buy it and seek it. He's like, "Yeah, you should try it." And so I was like, "All right, cool." And so I had a good experience the first time. It was with a couple of friends of mine, and then after that, the second time was going out to sea. And so. So far, so good. <laughs> it's been a, it's a, it's been good experience, but other than that, I mean, it's just every now and then just to have fun. Yeah, there's a lot of research on it now too. I mean, you have like leading medical institutions, Johns Hopkins, saying, "Hey, this is you know one dosage is curing depression for people for six months at a time." Like that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I didn't uh, get any psychedelic. Um, effects from it um i just kind of took little doses at a time throughout mm-hmm. the whole day okay um fishing <laughs> so uh so to me it just felt like um just a really you know i felt really happy uh like just really enjoyed the moment i was living the present nothing else on my mind besides being out to sea fishing with my buddy and it just felt really good no side effects anything like that it just felt really uh, light almost like like a body high mm. and just really enjoyed like the nature around me saw a group of dolphins saw a humpback <laughs> it was like the best wow. way to experience it it was like <laughs> i couldn't ask for a better you know uh day to experience that and uh even though we only caught one fish like i said it, it was the best time ever um so so yeah i mean i have you know from my perspective i have nothing but good things to say about that and my cousin says the same so uh but yeah just something i experiment with every now and then just to have fun well and that's a like you said no side effects you know that's <clears throat> i think for people to understand where they're at and what to expect or 
It sounds like you didn't take so much that a little leprechaun popped out of a portal and was like, hello. You exactly. Know, some people out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, um, you know, all in moderation, you know, all mm-hmm. in moderation. So it was, it was fun. It was cool. That's cool. What about, you know, afterwards, like after that experience in terms of like daily habits or, or thinking, like how did, did you experience any shifts? Um, you know, not that I can think of, to be honest with you, um, besides I was just had such a great day afterwards, right? I was just in a good, positive mood. That's one thing that I will, I do remember is like, even after that day, I just had a smile on my face the whole day. I was on a good one. Um, and then the next day I was just positive, energized, like just felt good. Um, but the biggest side effect I think from stopping drinking, um, is just, I have way more energy, way more energy than I thought I've ever had. Um, just because it's been a while (laughs) since I stopped drinking. So, um, I think that's been the biggest game changer for me. Um, just more focus, more energy more time on my hands all of a sudden like you realize how much it takes away from you you know yeah so even in small amounts i mean that was kind of my my shift it was probably went to a wine tasting event on like a thursday night i think it was 2018 or 2017 something like that i think it's 2018 and just the next day i didn't even drink a lot of wine but i felt a little bit sluggish a little bit slower i was accustomed to running at a very high you know level energy and I was having a conversation and just like one little tweak in my mind kind of threw me off and I was like I don't man this has to be the wine from yesterday like this is a weird you know kind of thing and I was like all right I'm done like yeah no desire yeah it's a depressant you know it slows (laughs) you down it slows you down and um again August 2019 ever since then my to-do list has gotten shorter my goals have been reached um way more productive way more goal oriented um way more energy positive thinking just different way of 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 looking at things um you know getting through all the books i've been wanting to read um (laughs) you just realize it's like a compounding effect like once you stop the energy builds and builds and builds your focus builds and builds and builds um and and i realized like man (laughs) i should have gave that up a while ago um but, uh, and I still have fun. I can still go out and have fun without even having to drink. And, uh, but yeah, just overall, like my body, my mind, my energy levels feel great. And, uh, I don't see myself, you know, going back. And so to your point, like I didn't have any side effects with shrooms, but with drinking, there's just so many side effects that people get used to, or I got used to and got comfortable with. And, and then you don't realize it until you stop <coughs> cold turkey. A couple of my friends, my girlfriend's like, yeah, right. You said that plenty of times. I'm like, nope. <laughs> I'm like, and then like two months go by, like, oh, wow, he actually stopped. I was like, yeah, I'm just, I have no desire. I don't crave it. I don't want to feel bloated. I don't want to feel tired, sluggish, <laughs> uh, slow. Like, why would I want to do that? So, I mean, were so, you, yeah. was, it, was it like a, a partying thing or was it like an everyday thing? Yeah, it was a weekend thing. Okay. It was a weekend thing. I definitely, I, I, I tried to, justify oh i'm not a i'm not a drinker because i don't come home and drink a six-pack and go to sleep or i don't come home and just drink by myself right but on the weekends i was definitely overdoing it for a long time and so um i felt like oh it's a weekend thing and social drinking right and no like it just it got to a point where i was like no this is definitely something that's slowing you up and 
and uh, it just it was. Uh, I went out drinking with some buddies. We were drinking whiskey. And uh, I say that because I like whiskey. That's like my go-to spirit. And came home and I just got like an anxiety attack. And I was like, no, I can't. I can't do this. Like I have way too much on my mind. I have way too much stuff I want to do. I have way too many things. My son's, my son's turning 10 this year. And so that's another way of like uh, me kind of... Um, you know, telling myself, like, hey, time goes by so fast, right? It's another reminder of, I should say, it's another reminder of, of, of time. And so I got that bad anxiety attack in the middle of the night, didn't go back to sleep, stayed up all morning, and then I realized, like, no, I'm never going to do that again. Grabbed all my bottles of, I had, like, three bottles of whiskey and a bottle of, of tequila in the fridge, gave it away. Like, I'm done. <laughs> I had wow. a couple of beers of Modelo <laughs> in the fridge. I was like, yeah, I'm done with these two. And so so it was it was a pretty abrupt ending and I was like, Yep, I'm done. Sometimes so. just gotta pull that band aid off. When you uh when when you're out with like friends now too, you know, like I know my experience is it still you know, people are like, Oh, come on, it's like whatever and I'm like, I just don't really want to but Yeah, I share a drink, I just get bloated really easy. Uh -huh. I mean, if I have more than two drinks, I'm like, I'm done because I feel bloated and I don't like that feeling. And now I want to go run and do some sit-ups because, like, I don't <laughs> like this feeling of, of just feeling heavy, you know. Um, and then that also kind of, um, uh, once I stop drinking, I, you stop binge eating. You know, you, go, you get drunk and then you go eat at night and then you, <laughs> you know, get a burrito and the kind of sour fries and all that good, good stuff, bad stuff, you could say. But by not doing that anymore and cutting that out and cutting out drinking, uh, my digestive system, digestive system just feels much better. And so now I, I just, I don't, I cut down on my eating because I just don't like that feeling of overeating and feeling full, completely full. Like you don't need <laughs> to eat a full plate, you know? And so a combination of all that really kind of limits me from going back to drinking, even though my friends do invite me, oh, come on, have one, I'll have one, maybe share one. But after maybe two, if I do have two, I'm like, no, nah, I just don't like that feeling of feeling full. Yeah. That's really, that's really like what really stops me from drinking. And like, I start to feel sluggish when I feel full. So I was like, nah, that's exactly why I stopped. Cause it feels it slows me down. That, that hunger thing, what you're talking about too, I was with a couple of buddies yesterday and we were joking around like sales, business jokes, stuff like that. We were doing, you know, just out and about and, uh, and we were talking about like people asking us like, what keeps you motivated? And I said, not eating. <laughs> <laughs> like if I just go long periods of time without eating, I'm hungry. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. I, I was reading the book Shoe Dog by uh, Phil Knight, who, yeah. who started uh, Nike. And, um, you know, he talks about his legendary coach, the track and field coach that coached the Olympics. And uh, <clears throat> I forgot what, what part of the chapter or book it was, but the, the coach says, oh, he would make him run like ridiculous amount of laps, right? Because he did long distance running, like insane amount of laps and just rigorous, rigorous, crazy um, training methods, right? Back in the day. And then I think one time they talked to him about like, hey, we're hungry, we're tired or this. He, and then he, he, his, his response always was, a tiger hunts best when he's hungry. Yeah. And that was always his response, <laughs> you know? Like, and so that was like a pretty kick-ass, uh, I don't know, just something that really stuck with me when, 
I read that book. A lot of things stuck with me with that book, but that one in particular. But to your point, uh, it just feels good being lean. It feels good being lean and not overeating. And you feel like it, it, it I feel it keeps me more in balance. Um, it feels it keeps me more energized and I don't feel lethargic and stuff like that because that, that affects my my energy levels working out, my energy levels at work, my focus, and then I'm, I don't want to be, you know, slow. <laughs> I don't want to be efficient. <laughs> Absolutely. And I want to be on, so, <laughs> yeah. Now, when you say, I know you said work, um, you uh, you started a business yep. not too long ago. When did you start it? So, me and my buddy started it back in 2015. Um, and we kind of started it kind of like slow, not too serious, kind of like, hey, let's, let's, let's sell some sell some flags and have a little side hustle, right? And so back in 2015, my good friend Armando and I, um, he travels a lot, and he would travel to Mexico for flag football tournaments. And that's how he and I met. We met um, at Southwestern College trying out for the football team, and we ended up playing for a college down in Tijuana, Mexico, um, tackle football and that's how we kind of you know met was through football but um he ended up playing a lot of flag football down in mexico after college and i had a son so i had to, I had to do the, those duties um but he would travel to mexico city um hermosillo cabo like everywhere that there was a major tournament he would travel and play flag football um and one of these you know, events, he saw a guy that would customize flags for the flag football teams and athletes. And then he's like, oh, well, I'm going to buy these because they're not in the States and I'm going to sell them in the States. And so um, I saw on his Facebook post that he was selling stuff, like selling these flags. And I was like, oh, i never seen that before. That's awesome. That's cool. I was playing on the flag team over here. And uh, I thought to myself, that's a great idea to start on Amazon. You know, and so that's kind of how it all started. I reached out to my buddy, and I was like, "Hey, bring some over. We'll we'll stock some, and we'll we'll launch a little Amazon store and and start selling these since nobody else is selling them, or not a lot of companies. There's a small company out in Texas uh, that's selling them, and I was like, "Well, there's definitely a demand because people are buying them from you. So <laughs> let's try to let's see see how we can grow this thing, um, and then." So a year into it, we decided to give it a name, and we came up with Gridiron, gridiron Flags. Um, so Gridiron, because that's, that's what they call the football field, and <laughs> Flags, because of flag football. And so ever since then, we've just kind of been growing, bootstrapping, and just kind of uh, you know piecing it together and trying to figure out how to scale it and, and produce you know a little passive income and, and try to uh, you know use our hobby it's something that we love and, and also kind of obviously try to create a passive income for ourselves. So that's kind of how it all kicked off. That's pretty, <clears throat> that's pretty cool, man. That's, uh, you know, I, I think of um, business like that too, or like you said, hobby and demand. Like there's, the population is big enough in the United States, in California, yeah. in Texas, wherever, where you can take something you're super passionate about and go turn it into a business. And, you know, some of them may become multi-mega million dollar businesses, but it also depends on what, what somebody, like how somebody wants to live. Right. You know, like if somebody's like, hey, I just want to make, you know, 80000 150000 whatever that is per year. Right. 
like you, you know, there's probably a pretty decent sustainable business model for, for hobbies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like I said, it started off as just like, Hey, let's, let's, let's see where we could go. And, and we started to get orders from like Texas and Florida and New York and, and we're like, oh, wow, this thing has legs. Like, let's mm-hmm. put a logo together and stuff like that. And um, there is uh, a couple of things that we're trying to work on right now, like a custom website um, so people can jump in and customize their own flags as opposed to us manually designing them and taking in their order. Although that's what we do right now, it just feels like it's a lot harder to do that and scale that. And so um, our go- our... our uh, I guess our next steps are always changing because we're learning more as we go. And so, um, but yeah, I think it's it's something that I began to see watching Shark Tank, obviously. <laughs> you watch that, you see people, you know, living the dream there and, and reading books um, a lot. I read a lot of uh, um, business memoirs and, and you know, books on entrepreneurs and I, you know, you learn so much through their story and you're like, yeah, if they could do it, I could do it. Let's see, let's see, see how I can piece it together, you know, slowly but surely. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it just comes down to living in San Diego is very expensive. You need <laughs> to have, everyone has a side hustle here. You need to create passive income to to be able to, you know, even afford a home, basically, right? And, and uh, live comfortably in San Diego. Um, and that's really kind of where it stemmed from, um, was just, you know, trying to keep up with the, uh, with the world around us and, and having kids is expensive. So, but at the same time, I knew it's going to, I knew that this hobby, that this business venture is something that I was going to have fun doing because of the community, because of the flag football. I still play five half a game right now at 1130 <laughs> later on today. So <laughs> it's fun doing it. So, um, it's easier to commit to that, to that, uh, the time and the effort and the money that goes into a e-commerce business. So, uh, I think it was a mixture of that that really allowed me to kind of take it on. Yeah, you know, it's, you know some people kind of struggle to figuring out what they have fun with even, you know, experimenting with different things or, or even going, oh, I don't know if I could do that, even though I really love drawing or whatever it might right. be. And there's tons of opportunity with, with the Internet. Right. Um, hearing you say that you're you're going to go play in a game right now and, you know, we're in California, I've been kind of all over the the country the last year, like some places opened up way faster than we did. What was, I mean, what was it like running a a business over this last year for you? Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, it was, it was, it was a blessing in disguise. Um, so a lot of times we go out to the tournaments and we go out to, you know, the, the, the games and the field and we're, you know, we're selling on the field. Right. So we call that field sales. Um, but that really kind of changed our focus to target these co- these um, states that opened up earlier, like Texas and Florida. And uh, we were able to kind of like you know, do some direct marketing, just message and, and you know, interact with these, uh, you know, the people, the athletes that are playing in these tournaments in different states. And that kind of like shifted our focus to like, hey, let's drop the field sales and let's focus and double down on like online, Facebook, Instagram, direct marketing and posting and just content on that to be able to generate more uh, more sales. And then that kind of 
like I said, your next steps are always changing. Our next steps now is like, we need to generate a website so that people can just jump on the website. We can market the website instead of marketing directly. Like, hey, let me take your order. Mm -hmm. It's like, hey, here's our website. You can jump online and you could create your own flags. So um, it was definitely a blessing in disguise. And we realized like, wow, this is... Uh, this has a demand that's nationwide. And so although we're stuck here in California with tough restrictions, we're able to still kind of um, bring in bring in some orders consistently because we, we reached out to other states. And so um, that was a reassuring feeling, knowing that, like, hey, this is a reoccurring thing with, you know, pandemics and we could kind of work around it, hopefully. So, um so yeah, we kind of it kind of helped shift shift our focus um, to to more online sales and direct marketing. Uh, so it kind of did help out. We also went out to Texas. <laughs> we went out to Texas for a tournament. We're like, all right, well, California's closed. Let's go out to Texas. So we a couple of guys here from San Diego flew out to Texas and participated in a tournament out there. And so it was pretty cool just to kind of get out and you know go out and enjoy enjoy life. Felt, felt pretty weird, huh? I mean, coming back here, going back there. I mean, for me, it was like, wow, like this is like two different worlds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, there was no, um, you know, no face mask and anything like that. Um, the, I think uh, a lot of the, a lot of the bars were closed. A lot of the restaurants were still closed. Like there was no dine-in, but uh, other than that, it felt a little, a little more normal. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then you come back and it's just like complete lockdown over yeah. here in California. And that was like in the middle of it too, in the middle of the lockdown. I think it was in uh, July of last year. So, what well, you said was pretty neat about, and you, I think you said blessing in disguise. I, you know, mm -hmm. there are uh, generally a few different types of, you know, business owners or the way people work through things. And some people obviously got very, very stuck and did not you know, pivot their business or find you know. a solution, or maybe there was no solution. I'm not right. really, you right. know, and then some were kind of have to do something, not sure what to do. Um, it, it sounds like, you know, with the way you're living life in terms of clear thinking and reading and, and having that extra focus and energy, you know, what was a, a defining moment for you to be able to start to, to make those pivots and adjustments? Yeah, I think it, it was, it wasn't, luckily for us, it wasn't a, a tough transition because we were already, I would say like half 50% of our business was already online. And plus we're still small, right? So, so I'm not saying this massive business <laughs> or anything like that, but a lot of people um, talk about the digital pivot. Everyone says that, right? The digital mm -hmm. pivot have, has your company done the digital pivot. Mm. I've read it a lot in articles and <laughs> on LinkedIn and stuff like that. I think a couple of sharks on shark tank have, you know, talked about that. Okay. Um, but, but for us, it was like pretty simple, right? We were already kind of working on it. Me and my, uh, my co-founder and my teams were pretty tech savvy, not as good as we want to be, but enough to kind of like, Hey, let's just focus and try to, try to market it on that. So I don't think it was like a, a very, uh, um, clear cut moment when it happened, but I think we just started to little by little like, oh, realize like, oh, okay, this is it. Let's just kind of focus on this, you know, and then the sales started coming in, so we kind of just stuck with it. And then we started to build around it and we got really good at it. We started uh, 
signed up for this app called the Monday app. It's like a project management. Hmm. Um, it's like a website, subscription-based, where you can manage projects through it. And it makes you, it's pretty much like a Microsoft Excel spreadsheet, but that's easily customizable. It's web-based and, and, you know, multiple members can go in, log in, and there's an app to it. So if you update it on the website, it updates the app. So it's super easy to track. That kept us organized. And then we were able to kind of like increase the amount of orders that we could take in. So I think once we had that app up and running, and um, the members on my team got used to that, and then it's like, oh, okay, cool, this is where we gotta go. And then it kinda just happened like that. Um, but but yeah, I, 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 I say that because uh, due to COVID and working from home, I now have a better work-life balance. So I have more time on my hands. And then a mixture of that, plus being more focused, more energy um, from quitting drinking, mm-hmm. the combination of those things those two things gave me like an extra eight to 10 hours a week that I could dedicate (laughs) like pure focus and energy, like, you know, uh, into, into this business. And so that's really helped out tremendously. So, um, it was, like I said, blessing in disguise. I don't talk about it much because I know a lot of people are struggling right now and I know like they've had the opposite effect of, of COVID. Um, it's been challenging for them. So I just kind of, you know, um, I recognize it. I appreciate it, but I just you know keep it to myself and stuff like that. So, yeah, I've gone back and forth on that over the last year because, like, I remember probably middle of last summer, like twenty twenty summer or whatever. I was talking to a friend, and even after that, a little bit, and I was like, you know, we should, we should have restaurants. And she said, Derek, I I feel I'm happy that I can share this with you because <clears throat> I don't want to go share it with everybody. You know, I'll get some la- you know some lashback or feedback, whatever. It's not so great. She's like, this has been one of the best things that's happened for me because they've been around for a while and, you know, they were smart financially and were running their business the right way for the last 10, 11 years and, uh, you know, not overextending themselves. And it gave them an opportunity to, like, shift their operations, um, figure out different ways to have, like, scheduling and do takeout, like, all these extra benefits. And part of me goes, yeah, you know, you don't want to, like, rub that in uh, for folks that were struggling. But the, the other part... I mean, really thinks a lot of folks can benefit from hearing that. Right. Almost like inspirational. Like you're talking about that book, um, you know, Shoe Dog. I love yeah. that book, by the way. It's a, oh good, it's my a God. great book. It's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great story for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I had a, a close friend of mine. He was in the service industry for a long time, and then he was laid off. And um, he has two parents that are high risk, and so he definitely was not going back even when they did reopen. Um, he was like, yeah, I can't go back. I'm, I have two parents that are high risk and I, I, I love to visit my parents, so I'm not going to do that. And he began, um, flipping comics on eBay <laughs> and he's making way more money <laughs> flipping comics on <laughs> eBay than he is doing in the service industry. Wow. Um, and he's like, yeah, I'm not going back. <laughs> and so he's just, uh, sticking to that and NFTs, um, him and his buddies focused on a- NFTs and, uh, they've they've rode that wave pretty well, and so now they know kind of the lay of the land, and so he's he's just arbitrage trading and hmm. flipping <laughs> NFTs and comic books, which is like again you turn your hobby into into a hustle, and then you just focus now now that he has time to focus on it like his full time job, and it's working out like a full time job, it's paying out like one. So, um, 
yeah, I think I think it just takes uh and he's a big time reader too. He's a big time reader. I mean, he's comic books, right? But he reads uh, a lot of novelties, uh, book series. He likes uh, nonfiction. Um, but I, I, I do think that that does help out um, the mindset and, you know, being prepared to take advantage of an opportunity because there could be an opportunity in front of you, but if you're not prepared to take advantage of it, then, then it it's a, it's a lost opportunity. And so um, <laughs> luckily for him, it, it has worked out well. Um, but yeah, I think it just depends on, on how you see problem solving, critical thinking, and, and how you go about those two things with adversity, when you have to deal with adversity in your life or career or personal life. It's like, what's your problem solving skills and critical thinking skills? And I think I think books can really help you out with both of those tremendously because they provide a lot of perspective perspective into both of them. Um, so I think uh, I think those that might need some help can maybe you know look into books or speak with someone who reads books or something like that to kind of help encourage or help them out or help decipher um, kind of their next step. It's a lot of good information in there, you know the with your buddy turning into flipping comic books too. I mean, that's, there's, <coughs> I've been seeing so many help wanted signs and there's articles all over Forbes and the business world of like looking for employees and companies are having trouble finding employees, finding people to work. And I've been trying to explain this to some executives. I know I said, it's not that some, I mean, there, there's a certain percentage of people that have found like I can work less and live a reduced lifestyle and I'm okay with that now after this last year. Like people just kind of, some have accepted that, but there's also a great number of people that have learned how to utilize the internet to do things like flip comic books, to do whatever it is and may not go back to the workforce ever. Right. You know, they were just given a whole year to figure that out. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, yeah, to your point, I mean, I, I, I took a pay cut in, during COVID. I mean, I switched two jobs during COVID. I, I had two job transitions. And, uh, you know, each one took a pay cut. <laughs> but I'm working remotely, and I with that, in, you know, increased time on my hands, I'm kind of making the most of it. So uh, I adjusted pretty quickly, and it was easy for me to kind of um, get used to that pay cut. And, and I'm super happy with my work-life balance and kind of where I'm kind of going with my career. So I, I think to me it was, it's just a number, you know, don't focus too much on the number. Um, but, uh, you know, being in recruiting, yeah, there's definitely a high demand <laughs> for people. <laughs> um, and obviously it depends on, on the skill set and the profession. Um, but uh, it's, it's definitely what we'd call a, an employee job market. It's not an employer job market anymore. It's an employee-driven job market where the employees can, or, or candidates can really, you know, drive their 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 request and and kind <laughs> of you know um, have an options, especially with remote work right now. Um, and but I'm in the healthcare field, and so the I mean essential workers are even in more demand. So mm. it's just it's, it's interesting times right now, especially in California. Yeah. I don't know if this is uh, if this is top secret information. You know, you don't have to, to share this mm -hmm. here. But do you ever see yourself transitioning out of the work you're doing full time into gridiron? I think you know, with 
five to six years, uh, potentially. Um, yes, yes, five to six years. I watch a lot of a lot of Shark Tank, and uh, not that that's our ultimate goal or anything like that. But I mean, if you want to grow the business to where you feel the potential it has it for it to grow to, I think it's definitely going to require full time work. But uh, definitely want to get to a sustainable level of sales to be able to justify that transition and so um yeah right now we're building out our our shop down in in mexico so my business partner is in ensenada mexico which is two hours south of tijuana hour and a half south of tijuana beautiful beach city um and we're building out our shop and we are going to invest in a printer. We're going to make our own flags. And so we're just kind of like step by step bootstrapping this thing to be able to scale it to a certain level where, yes, we eventually we would be able to uh, do this full time, travel the world to all the competitive flag football tournaments and be able to uh, continue our branding and just kind of make our name for ourselves in that industry. Yeah, definitely. Man, that's that's freaking awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. Even just like kind of seeing you light up, yeah. you know, eyes are getting bigger. You're talking about it. I'm like, all right. Have you? Uh, it's it. You have to have a, a dream and a vision, no matter what somebody's doing in life. Like if you don't know where you're going, it can be very painful. And when you do know where you're going, it's sometimes painful. But it, at least you have like a, your own carrot on a stick type thing. Yeah, right? definitely, definitely. And I think um, for me, this is one thing I've been kind of repeating i don't know where i heard it i wish i i, I remember but uh, i would say for the last six months this has been my my mantra or my motto you can do anything but you can't do everything because mm. i'm a guy with too many dreams <laughs> too many dreams too many projects and my girlfriend's like you can't do that you're already doing this and this and i was like you're right um and i forgot where i came across that uh, i wish i really wish i i, I remember um but I keep telling my girlfriend, uh, I can do anything, but I can't do everything. And so she wants to plan trips and this and this and that. And I'm like, well, you got to pick one because I can do anything, but not everything. And so same same goes with goals and dreams, right? And so um, I love fixing and restoring classic Japanese cars, but it's very time consuming. And it's a lot of, you know, awesome investment of money. Um, you do flip it and get your money back, but... Um, <laughs> I was able to sell quite a few really nice classic cars, and um, I, I always told myself when I sold them, I'm cashing these in for bigger dreams, and the bigger dream was gridiron, and I finally like kept doing it. I was like, all right, I have to stop that, and I have to double down and focus on gridiron, because that's ultimately going to get me my dream car. And um, so I say that, to your point, like, yeah, it's good to have the, the goals and dreams. Sometimes you have multiple one. You have to figure out which one you want to pick because you can't do them all unless you're Elon Musk. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, there, uh, there's something to be said for that, too. That's, I, I spend a lot of time talking with people about this. In fact, I don't even know if maybe we've talked about it before. But um, to do something like what an Elon Musk does and to that magnitude is sort of a whole different planet. But uh, when I – because I had these conversations with one of my mentors – early on around like okay like I've gotten pretty good at xyz but I, I also would like to do this other thing now and he just taught me like how to structure the day you basically do now that you are efficient at doing something you get all that stuff done in the first part of the day 
And then just slowly, you know, maybe it's two hours a day, right. one hour a day. But you have to commit and stay consistent on it. You can build out these other things at a certain point. Then you also have resources like a virtual assistant or whatever that might be. It might be hiring an employee and you have to learn how to leverage those resources and let some things go mm-hmm. so that you can start to stack and, and layer these things. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and most definitely. And I think, um, you know, the first thing that comes to mind and you're kind of t- like talking about that is, um, uh, you know, starting your own business, you're going to wear a lot of hats and you have to learn so many things like operations, logistics, and, you know, marketing. Marketing is right now like our main focus and there's so much that goes into marketing. I mean, <laughs> you yourself, you do a lot of like magazine marketing, marketing for CBD. So, you know, it's like a whole can of worms, right? <laughs> and um, since we, and by we, me and my partners have gotten much more efficient with like taking in custom orders, direct marketing and shipping, like that we got down, right? And so to your point, like, now it's like a time for me to focus on the marketing piece and how to put together a marketing strategy and set it in place so that we could set it and forget it, right? Like just have the ads working for us. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, it's good. It's good to, if you do want to structure and kind of diversify your hobbies or your interests, and or you could do the same thing, but for that one hobby. Mm-hmm. Right, because that one hobby might have different aspects to it, five to seven different aspects to it. Like my particular business right now has multiple aspects to it, and I'm focusing on the marketing piece. Well, that marketing piece now I have to break it up into different marketing pieces, right? Like how to how to you know do Google ads, right? <laughs> that's one piece of the day, and then maybe split it up into like Facebook, Instagram ads. That's another piece of the day. So. Um, so yeah, I guess to your point, it's just uh, figuring out how to structure your day and figuring out what you know what you want to get out of it uh, to to stay consistent and follow through on that. Yeah, I so I've always been taught the uh, and I shouldn't say always, but for the most part, since I get into business, that the Stephen Covey put your big rocks in, do the hardest thing first each day. Uh-huh. And I saw like I see this quote popping up from Mark Zuckerberg all the time that he said, "If you just do the simplest and easiest things first, life is a lot easier." And I'm like, "Wow, that's like so backwards <laughs> from like everything I've been taught or learned." So I'm kind of like. You know, six, it'd be kind of fun to experiment with, but also a little bit of fear. Like, man, if I don't do those hard things first, are they going to get done later? Yeah. Um, Have you ever heard of a group called the Accelerators Organization? No. No, I haven't. I've heard of San Diego. Oh, man. Yeah, no, I I haven't heard of that group. Make a little mental note, but before you leave, I want to grab, I want to share some stuff with you because they are... Um, I've been kind of watching them from a distance, I guess you could say, online. And it's a super cool group. This guy named Sean Thomas, I think. I think he's the founder. Um, I started getting a little bit more engaged with them recently. But they, they actually help uh, their whole thing. Part of it's like they help create, you know, first, first-generation first millionaires. Oh, wow. Um, people that are in business. And I've been kind of in their groups checking stuff out. And there's nice. a, yeah, a lot of people that... They, I think they they have a, a goal, you know, this year in terms of helping a certain number of, of people that are currently working a day job transition full time into working their business. And I think there's like 25 sort of like mentors, people in the group. Right. Um, they're all specialists in different things. Some of them have scaled. You know, they're all just very knowledgeable people. 
And I've, I've looked at a lot of groups like that in the past, and I, I wasn't necessarily impressed, or I saw price tags of $10,000 a month or whatever it is, right? Like, here's your coach for 10000 a month. And yeah. I'm like, that's cool. And they're, the ones I checked out before had this kind of strong sense of, like, do everything I say because I'm, like, you know, you're here to learn from me. Like, a lot of ego stuff. And I'm yeah. just like, oh, it's not really for me. These guys just seem super cool. Really? Um, I'm, like, checking out some of their group stuff Definitely. and how they're interacting. And so... Definitely. Yeah, Sean. I think I think one of his Instagrams is like Ask a Millionaire okay. on Instagram. He's got like, you know, millions on YouTube or whatever. But oh wow. Um, pretty cool people. I'll check so them out. Definitely. There yeah, there's been a there's been a couple of um, accelerator programs that I've looked into, some local ones, um, just to kind of, you know, get some guidance. Because like I said, there's it's just to kind of learn so many different ways to kind of go into uh, e-commerce business and, mm-hmm. and, and what to do. And obviously, we're bootstrapping, so we've got to be very, very thoughtful for every decision we make. Because we don't want to just throw money at something and like, oh, it didn't work. Let's try again. Like, no, we've got to be very thoughtful of everything. So, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, we or I... Um, participated in the Tory project, uh, which was a boot camp to help um, local entrepreneurs looking to start a business. And, and, um, and they they focused a lot on what is called the shareholder mentality, um, and that was really really cool boot camp. I only did three days out of the seven days. I just got too busy and I couldn't follow up on it. But they recommended some really good reads, um, in which I read two of the books, and those those by itself was enough for me to get like a lot of takeaways from that boot camp. What, what were um, they? So, like uh, shareholder mentality, we'll use Patagonia as an example because they reference Patagonia a lot in mm-hmm. the in the books. And so there's shareholder mentality and stakeholder mentality. Stakeholder mentality is like corporate America, like um, let's say Walmart, who would, if they had the chance, not even pay benefits to the employees because they want to increase the profits for their stakeholders. That's their main purpose is mm-hmm. to bring value and profit to the stakeholders, not their shareholders. Um, I'm sorry, shareholders, okay? Um, and then we have the stakeholder mentality. Let's say Patagonia, right? Completely different. Uh, mindset. Patagonia was one of the first companies to kind of offer like these super long leave of absences for women and flexible work schedules. And they offered daycare at their work facilities. They're like one kind of, they felt that the more you take care of your shareholders, um, sorry, stakeholders, sorry, I'm going to get those confused. <laughs> the more you take care of your stakeholders, like the community people around you. People that have you, a stake in it. People right? that have a stake in it. Not just, <laughs> not just like down to your suppliers. Mm-hmm. Right down to your customers, down to your employees, down to the community and environment around you, like Patagonia to this day. Um, I think they donate money back to like a lot of conservative organizations, conservative causes to to help like deforestation and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Like right? Conservation, like wild conservation, stuff. exactly. Yeah. So that is stakeholder mentality, and then it just walks you through a lot of um, case studies of businesses that have done well and have outperformed in even in the market right like they use hard case studies of like if your company has a stakeholder mentality you are going to actually bring more value to your shareholders so it's better business model than a shareholder mentality and so there's this back and forth kind of debate of like what's the best way to operate a business in the long term 
there's a pretty strong um, case for stakeholder mentality. And so that has helped kind of helped influence the a little bit of the vision that I have for my company and how I feel like um, if we get to a point where I'm doing it full time and we're making, you know, decent money, uh, we could give back to the community and kind of maybe build a park, build a build a uh, football field, you know, and so kids can play like in this abandoned lot, like <laughs> let's create something. Um, obviously, that's long term, right? But um, as we get there, we could help support small youth programs, rec programs in underserved communities and things like that. Um, so, so yeah, it was it was really some good reads. Yeah. There's a there's a couple of us that'll have to get together. I got a buddy here named Oscar that's pretty cool, and he's working on some uh, programs. He's a developer. Oh wow! And working on some really cool things. For that's awesome. Yeah, the term like underprivileged youth. There's all these kind of different terms. What did someone tell me a couple of years ago? They're like, oh, we can't we can't say that anymore. We have to call it like low resource communities. And I'm like, well, whatever. We know. I know where I was, so I'll call it whatever I want. But yeah, it's kind of yeah. But uh, it is uh, the like the Amex have a project. I'll probably share with you at some point that I would really. It's more of a like maybe five, six, seven, eight years down the road thing. But I have this like idea of um, a coffee shop, essentially coffee shop bookstore, but okay. with like a gym attached to it. Oh man, sounds amazing. But like <laughs> in a in a like very you know like a community that's not really where there's no place to go get your and, and the gym is gonna be like heavy bags like all that stuff that that gets all the energy out mm -hmm. you know and just kind of have this like learning center in a sense but because um, you just I don't know as a kid if you don't have places to go people to kind of guide you things to do. It's really easy to get caught up in the chaos, and, and you don't if you don't know about these things. Like, man, you know what? A, a workout and hanging out, talking to some people about some stuff they read in a book, like that could be really good for the soul. Yeah, yeah. I think just exposure, right? Mm -hmm. um, if you, I, I, if I kind of caught your idea right, kind of offer this little um, the the your business, right? Coffee bookshop. And uh, bookstore and, and gym, like in the underserved community. All the books like are going to be free, by the way. It's going to be like hang out, rent oh. it, like library style. Right, right, yeah. right. It's not going to be a big money maker. Right, right, right. <laughs> Definitely. So, I mean, but in a, in an underserved community where you wouldn't really find this, right? Yeah. I think I think that yeah, I think that's. Um, I think that would be great for for the community. Um, you know the way. So, so this is is funny kind of like what I relate to is um, I feel a lot of times playing in adult leagues, adult recreation, the fields are always reserved for like 9 p.m. and after for adults, right? Like the adults get like the terrible times to play and, you know, it's given to youth sports, which is great. Don't get me wrong. It's mm -hmm. great. But I also think that the more you have adults exercising, or playing in sports, that community, that society is going to do way, way better. So, like, sometimes, uh, you know, uh, I feel like, man, that would be great if we could build a football field <laughs> or build this large multi-purpose field dedicated to youth sports, I mean, to adult sports, so that way um, they could have the, the daytime during Saturday and Sundays for those, 
you know, adults that want to play during the day, right? Maybe yeah. the adults that don't have kids that, you know, want to play sports, but they don't want to play at 9 p.m. at night. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but I guess to, to your point, it's like that, that, that service that you're going to offer to the community that's hopefully going to better that community, right? Giving them something that they, they don't have. And, and is that going to be a positive effect on them and ultimately the community around them? I'm surprised that there's nothing like that. Like that kind of blows. My, I, I also hear you say that, like maybe throw a playground in there for the kids, that kind of yeah. thing. Like, cause it's as an adult, I remember trying out for a semi-pro football team in Sacramento. Oh no! And uh, yeah, I know I don't look very big right now, but I was pretty, pretty good shape. <laughs> uh, uh, and you know, listen to some of the other players' stories, like why they were trying out at this age, because most of them were you know, mid-20s, late-20s, like kind of past the transitioning from college to the pro type thing. And it was, I, I had a kid and it kind of derailed me. Or I'd, you know, got in trouble or whatever. Right. I got a job and didn't keep my focus. And um, But they were still looking for that outlet. Yeah. You know, like a place to go. And, and this yeah. was, that was pretty much it in terms of them wanting to play football. There weren't a lot of other options. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I think... Um I'm, you know, and I, and I see that from the community, like playing flag football now. Um, uh, luckily, we have a, you know a larger community, and there's more league owners that um, you know are more experienced running the league and 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 trying to find fields that work with the days and times that you know they feel is going to work best, and ultimately attract the most amount of participants. And so I think that's been very helpful. But for certain places that don't have that league owner that it's experienced and that's, you know, well-rounded and, and has his field set up, um, having fields dedicated to adults, I think will be super, super helpful. And, and so, um, yeah, I think that's, that's something that, you know, I, I don't feel like I'm a socialist or anything like that, but I feel like that's something that's pretty cool to be able to be offered. That's not really being, implemented and and uh you know you never know is it in the story for for us possibly but it's good it's good to have that idea to put it on that it yeah. sounds like it's on that vision board of yours or that checklist or whatever that is you know you can make it make happen it's funny how we put certain certain things into boxes too like when you said socialist you know like the topic of whether it's religion or politics like we just try to fit things in these neat little boxes and go, okay, if, if this person's a libertarian, like that means all of these things, but it, and it helps with structure in some sense in terms of our society and government and sort of understand each other in, in some cases, but it also, I think, limits us a lot in terms of, you know, what's possible. Like instead of saying, uh, he wants to, he wants to give something for free to people. He's a socialist. Right. You know, right. why can't he be a guy that is an entrepreneur that's building a great business and wants to, you know, give back to the community in a way that is uh, beneficial and there be some exactly. middle of the ground, you know, spot for that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, because I mean, Again, reading these books and, and, and how, um, you know, there's a, a corporate responsibility, social responsibility, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, I, if you're going to be making a lot of money um, from, you know, certain people in in, uh, in a certain sport, I, I just feel like, hey, like the least you can do is give back to that in a certain way to, to 
to kind of balance things out, you know, and that's kind of like what's asked of companies these days, right? If you're going to be making money off of like a big Walmart that moves into a small town, yeah, you're creating jobs. Like that's the first thing they say. Oh yeah, we're creating jobs. Like, yeah, okay, cool. But you're making profit off those jobs. So it's like, what are you giving back? You know, um, I just feel, you know, it's, uh, I, well, again, back you know, to the uh, stakeholder mentality. It, it's a good, not only is it a good business uh, decision, but it's also kind of like, uh, for me, I find it very rewarding um, sure. to be able to do that. How, how do you, what's your take on like how to work towards a goal like that? Like, for example, when I think of learning numbers in a business, right, there's <coughs> like one thing I, I had to learn and adjust to at a certain point was not necessarily wait for there to be a certain amount of income to like try to do this other thing and just go, okay, based on the numbers now, even if it's like a half a percent, right. if I take a half a percent consistently and the business continues to grow, you know, it'll eventually get to that goal. But at the same time, when you're bootstrapping, when you're trying yeah. to do all these things, like yeah. every penny counts, like how do you, do you just put it like go yeah not even really gonna work towards that right now and kind of keep it on the on the back end or do you start to work small pieces of those things in now yeah so i, I revert to my model you could do anything but not everything <laughs> right that's that's my motto so it. so to me it's like um i have a very clear next step like our, our next step right now is building out the shop and then buying our printer Right. Because um, so to answer your question, it's like <laughs> I put it on the back burner. Yeah, it's down the road. Yeah, it's definitely something we would want to do. And that would be big time. Right. But uh, for right now, we have to like kind of stick to like we're bootstrapping. Right. So we stick to our next plan. Um, we run lean. And like once we get there, OK, what's the next one? What's the next one? And it's basically to scale, 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 scale and scale and sustain that scaling or scalability. Um, and we feel like in order to get to that point, it's ha it has to make business sense, right? Like if we're going to partner up with a developer and we're going to turn this barren lot into a nice, <laughs> cool, multi-purpose, multi-million dollar football field, we probably are going to be in the millions of sales, right? And that's going to make business sense to write it off and whatnot and kind of <laughs> invest in that and kind of get some PR around it. So yeah, we are giving back to the community. We are going to feel great about it it is going to be legacy part of our legacy but at the same time it's got to make business sense you know so it's a mixture of both um and again you know it's one of the takeaways that i found from that book that that was recommended from that boot camp um so that's that's how i planned about going about it and i kind of like stored it in a box throw it in the back of my mind I'm like yeah it's definitely something and when i'm driving and i see like this barren lot i'm like that's a perfect spot for the field <laughs> and i'm driving around san diego i'm like that's another perfect spot in the field and so i kind of make these little mental notes of of uh, my ideas and stuff like that so kind of reinforce them it's pretty cool man yeah. that's a good way to do it. i was just reading a, a book this morning about uh ethereum and like it's called the infinite machine and cryptocurrency and and this guy was talking about um really not having a lot of money and then becoming very wealthy with cryptocurrency and uh him and his girlfriend and his kid would just drive around to these neighborhoods and you know get ideas for houses someday and it was like so far out of their reach and then next thing you know he's in the house um they found one house in like oakland uh san francisco bay area 
oh, wow. had an elevator and that was like their dream to have an elevator. And he was right. like, find himself in the house, you know, talking to the real estate agents. It's cool to think about where we start and where we can be. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. I mean, yeah, I mean, the whole crypto thing is, is definitely interesting. Uh, I wish I was good at that. <laughs> hey, the, uh, the, the most uh, consistent way that people end up earning boatloads of money is they get rich slow program. So yeah. Discipline and consistency. Yeah. And, uh, with, with your with your business, so you talk about a couple of things that are pretty interesting. Like the I like the stakeholder versus shareholder mentality. Mm-hmm. In that course or even in your own sort of discovery, you know, when I think of someone taking, you know, eight weeks of vacation or working from home or all these are kind of different and maybe eight weeks is normal. I don't really know. But uh, when I think about all these different luxuries that employees are maybe seeking and maybe have this experience from the recruiting world too, like how, how do you personally and how do you imagine having a, a culture of accountability for um, my business? Yeah, j- just in, just general, in general, general, I guess. Yeah, I mean, for your business too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a culture of accountability, I think that's pretty... I feel I think feel like that's pretty common, especially with a lot of re- remote workers right now. Um, I mean, there's a lot of companies that have unlimited PTO, right? Like, like that. That's a culture <laughs> of accountability right there, right? Like, hey, you can take all the you know PTO you want as long as, long as you get stuff done. Um, I think it just comes down to hiring the right people. <laughs> hiring the right people? Yeah, I think it just comes down to hiring the right people, the people with the right characteristics, the right mindset um, that are going to have the right work ethic, ultimately right work ethic that, that's going to you know, drive them, keep them motivated to, to be accountable and hit their goals, hit their, you know, whatever it is they're, that they're, they're being paid to do, you know. Um, I think that's kind of like, that's the way I look at that, to be honest with you, especially with coming from a recruiting chair. Like, it, you want to ask behavioral questions around that. You want to probe around their work history, their work experience, look at the resume, and just kind of like, you know, learn more about that person um, and ultimately what drives them and, you know, what made them choose that career. So, and what motivated them to choose that career. So people don't usually show up to a job interview and be like, man, I was so terrible hitting my goals last time. Like, <laughs> yeah. It didn't really work out my last two or three <laughs> times because, you know, I kind of like don't show up a lot and not very good at things. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So you want to ask like what, what motivated them? You know, you get two different types of answers, right? You get very surface level answers. And then there's those that give you really deep answers. And so those are the people that you're like, oh, okay, cool. Uh, you get to ask some more behavioral questions and they're going to give you more deeper questions, right? And people that are kind of more surface level, if they check the box and they, you know, meet the technical qualifications and it's like, oh, okay, great. Well, um, we'll let the manager kind of decide whether or not that you feel they feel that you're the right person for the team, right? But, um, yeah, that's kind of, like, the way I look at it. What are some of your favorite questions to, like, uncover that stuff with people? Yeah, I think, um, you know, obviously you have to have a scripted introduction, right? Um, but I think for me it's um, I, I jump off the script pretty early, depending on the person, right? If it's an entry-level folk, 
no problem. We could just go through the formal thing because it's entry level. But if it's mid-level to senior level or management, you definitely want to um, have a, a clear structure of how you're going to go about the interview to mm-hmm. see how you're going to kind of peel those layers of the onion. Um, so there's no one way to do it. Really kind of based off of the... Uh, the interaction, because I don't want to make it transactional, right? The first thing you want to do is make it conversational. Mm-hmm. If you do it transactional, you're going to get surface level responses, right? And in order to get it conversational, you kind of ask them, all right, great. Well, you're the, I kind of make them feel comfortable to answer your question. That's the first thing I do. I make them feel comfortable and let them know, hey, you're the subject matter expert, right? If this is a manager or an executive or a senior manager, you're the subject matter expert. Tell me a little bit about yourself. So boom, right <laughs> off the bat, you make it a conversation because they start talking about themselves. Mm. And then I kind of ask like interesting questions about the resume. Hey, I noticed you studied here and you, you know, you published this journal. Talk to me about that one. And so I make it conversation on at that point. They're like, oh, OK, great. It's easier for me to kind of ask question. Hey, so walk me through your work history. Why did you leave that job? What was the biggest challenge of that job? What did you like about that job? So those are the three main questions because then I'll, I'll, once they walk me through their work history and what they liked, what they didn't like, and what they found challenging, then I can relate that to the position that I'm trying to fill. <laughs> What's challenging about that position, what what they told me that they liked of their previous roles, is that something that they're going to find in this role? If it's yes, then great, we have a good we have a good match. And if it's not something that they're going to find in this role, then it's probably not a good match. Or if they talk about things that they didn't like and the reasons why they left their previous jobs. And if that's something that they're going to find here, that's a conversation to have and kind of walk them through those things. And so that's kind of a good way to kind of like really peel the onion and and learn more about, you know, if you're going to be the right person for this job uh, long term. I'm super notorious for like not using resumes and just asking questions because I really believe that like when you just let people talk, when you pose a question and let people talk, like they'll always tell you what's most pressing on their mind, especially in that kind of a setting, right? In that setting where it's very structured around someone has a job, someone wants the job, like they will just, one of my favorite things is when somebody's like, well, I, I never did this or that. And I'm like, all right, that automatically means they probably did that. You know, like it's kind of, it's <laughs> it's funny. People will tell you though, if you, if you listen really closely, I saw this hilarious um, ad yesterday. I was like, kind of looking at a few different recruiting things, actually sales things, and it was called the most magical sales role ever, or something. And it was like a remote sales where you, the the thing, and it was it was that the real ad, as far as I can tell. And it was like work twenty hours a week and make thirty grand a month. And I'm like, all right, this is madness. And I know why they called this the most magical sales role ever. Right. And his, um, he's like, by the way, if you complain and you don't have any experience or you're a dick and you don't know how to follow directions. Like he was just saying all this stuff on the ad, like just don't bother applying. Like we don't want to, we don't want anybody that complains. We don't want anybody that can't follow directions. It was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I was like, very honest ad. <laughs> yeah. I was like that. I mean, that's like, it's, it's about as good as it gets in terms of this is what we're looking for. We yeah. want someone that can follow directions. That's coachable. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty awesome. I mean, it's going to screen out a lot of people, right? <laughs> I mean, you're going to get the people at Reddit and, or desperate job seekers, one or the other. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah. no, that's, that's funny. I mean, you know, deciphering job descriptions and job postings is a whole other ball game. Like, you know, do people really read those things? 
Mm. People really give a crap about mission statements sometimes. Like, <laughs> you know, like, where do you link the one-page mission statements? Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a lot of aspects going into job hunting. But, you know, I, I don't really focus on resumes too much either. Um, obviously, if there's some red flags, yes, of course. Um, but uh, actually, I w- I'd take that back. I would say I do 50% of the time. Um, and it also depends on, on what you're recruiting for, right? Mm-hmm. Like a software engineer could give you a crappy resume, but who cares if, as long as he has a portfolio and he has his business of like anybody's going to hire him, right? <laughs> if he could talk the talk, like, yeah, so what about his resume? <laughs> um, but I'd say, I, you know, in the line of business that I'm in, I think I have to just because that's like the first first thing I'm working off of. So how do you even like, like that was one thing that people would be like, so you don't verify like the work history? I'm like, it's going to show very swiftly if they know what they're doing or not. And I saw this super, someone passed a video of me. It was really funny. It was a guy got hired for some like machine technical engineering thing. He's like, saw this job for $35 an hour replied. They gave it to me. I'm on day one of the job. No idea what I'm doing. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, whoa. Yeah, I mean, um, <laughs> we definitely verify all employment. Um, that's for sure. I mean, through the background check, it has to get verified. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, for myself, I mean, again, it depends on the position that you're recruiting for. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just going to be a couple of technical screening questions that you're going to ask on the front end to screen out the candidates that are qualified or not. But then ultimately in the final interview, the hiring managers are really going to know, you know, speak that language, right? And so they're going to okay. speak that language with the, with the candidate to understand whether or not that, you know, they're technically inclined to perform the job or not. I have, when I was in the recruiting agency, I remember I had this placement at a biotech company in Mira Mesa. And then like a week or two weeks after he got hired, they called me to let him go, and I was like, oh, can I get a reason? Can I give him some performance feedback? Is, <laughs> like, he rehirable? Maybe I can place him at another job. He's like, no. We saw that uh, he was Googling everything that he had to do, <laughs> and so he can't do the job. <laughs> and I was like, fair enough. He had all these skills on his resume. Uh, he, he was able to talk enough about him during the interview to get the job, but once it came down to it, he was... <laughs> Throwing uh, Google searches to uh, get this, the job done. I mean, a, a, in his in his defense, uh, it was um, he does know what he's like. He he had a background in molecular biology, but this was this was just a new kind of um, skill within molecular biology, and he thought it was like transferable <laughs> or potentially. He's like, yeah, I could definitely figure it out and learn it, but um, it just pr- it was a little bit out of his uh, his expertise. That made me think of being in like high school or whatever and having a bibliography for your report and like someone turning a resume with their like bibliography for their resume just like here's where i got my sources what's a bibliography <laughs> again oh, <laughs> it's like it's like it when was, you uh, reference books yeah it was yeah. like yeah so it was like here's where i got my information from you know oh, so I'm thinking right, like right, someone's right. like doing their resume and they're like googling like all right what does that mean what does this role require <laughs> okay and then they like pull the sources and just yeah. throw it at the bottom. It's like yeah. a footnote, right? <laughs> yeah. Almost. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, they have no idea what they're doing. And they yeah. just, like, <laughs> just Googled everything. Yeah, man. That's real. That's uh, something that's happening. Google on the job. In fact, I have a, a family member that 
and he's pretty knowledgeable and he was in this work already for years, but something would come up and he was like, yeah, I really couldn't really get an answer or whatever. I had to think quick and like hopped on his phone on Google and like figured out this like oil mechanical thing or whatever. And I'm like, that's crazy. Able to get it done. Yeah. Hey, good work magic. Faster than getting to the manual. <laughs> so, uh, so you're in San Diego building your business, got yep. a kid, so about to turn 10. Mm-hmm. It's freaking awesome. Yep. Seems like you got the, the health and wellness aspect. Trying. You know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so what, you know, how do you feel, what what kind of, you know, those are all the pieces, man. When I think of, like, the exciting parts of life, you know, I have this kind of, like, seven things that I've mapped out, and it's, like, tribe, mind, body, spirit, you know, finances, work, purpose, um, mm-hmm. these things. And it's when you have them all, when you're doing things on a, a daily basis and a consistent basis to, to piece these together, yeah. I believe it brings a lot of like joy and, yeah. uh, and, and growth too. Yeah. yeah. You know, do you have a chance to just figure that out on your own? You read it in a book. Like how, how do you start putting all these pieces oh, of the puzzle God, together? Man, I definitely <laughs> fumbled my way through it. Um, and I think it, it starts with purpose and you, it work, you work around that for sure. Um, so, I mean, definitely speaking to you as a work in progress, but like for sure work in progress without a doubt. Um, but again, within the last, two years my guess my my next steps my focus my purpose has been much clearer than it's ever been before and so that has really helped me again to 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 the mind and wellness right that helps out so much when you have a clear path of like where you want to go and the, the purpose behind that you know journey um but no i definitely fumbled my way <laughs> to this point and you learn and you get so much out of your system with those those failures and and those fall downs and you know you brush it off and now you know like no i don't want to make that mistake again nope i'm not going to do that again and you uh i scratch a lot of itches with like my projects and my cars and and all that stuff so i got a lot of that out of my system and and um my girlfriend and i have kind of grown to a point we've been together for 10 years and we got to a point where um we know each other we feel comfortable with each other and we know where we want to go um and that was again uh again work in progress and a lot of trials and tribulations throughout the 10 years but um it's just a good support system family support system around me my son and my my girlfriend um and good good head on our shoulders and just kind of good work ethics between her and i and um just uh work through the the tough parts and and luckily we came to to this part in our life and we're like all right let's let's stick to it and and hit our goals and again this last year has been the most productive year and we've been so good at at hitting our goals and just progressing uh in our relationship and our life and our career that um it's just just kind of keeps building and keeps building get more confident more reassurance and just kind of keep going with it so um 
Yeah, to answer your question, I just fumbled through it and you just worked <laughs> through it. But it was there were some tough times, man. There's def like now that I, I I find myself in this place in my life at this part in my life, I look back and I was like, damn, I was doing some like really tough time. Like I couldn't sleep. I'd stayed up till three, four in the morning. Just couldn't sleep and just stayed up all night just thinking about life, <laughs> thinking about like I'm not happy with my job. I'm not happy with my career. I'm not happy with this. And how am I gonna fix this? And you know, cars were were an outlet because you know I'm, you're, it's kind of like a puzzle, right? When you're fo focused on a puzzle, they do that a lot in therapy and stuff like that. You're working on something that's taking your focus off of the things that uh, making you depressed or making you mad or stressing you out or whatever, um, and just trying to figure out slowly but surely. And now it's the business. I focus on the business and what's the next step and what's this and what's that. It's exciting keeps me focused and uh it's working towards my purpose so it's all like everything all in one doing hard work is like a form of therapy too man that's yeah it's pretty cool i you know i i, I wonder how we're doing on time here because i know you got a game to go to we're actually getting pretty close how about you brought a notepad over here i don't know if there's anything on there that you wanted to touch on specifically or that was a notepad to take notes oh. um just <laughs> okay. i was like you know i'm gonna come prepared i think so um now man i mean la the last time i met you i was uh working at the recruiting agency we met here in la, in la jolla cove for some tacos and um so hey, we just met up we're like hey <laughs> let's just meet up i think you 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 you're just like hey let's just meet up and yeah it's be cool to learn about your your business and i was like definitely and um i was kind of stuck i was like oh i want to you know I pretty much wanted to invest in an injection molding machine or injection mold and create my own flags for flag football system. And you're like, well, what are you doing now? Why don't you just sell those? Why don't you save up money and <laughs> then save up for that? Like, you just had really good um, common sense advice. And I was like, you know what? You're right. You're right. You're right. And then I, I remember I had so many takeaways. I remember getting in my car and writing them all down because I always carry like a little notepad with me everywhere I go. And I was like, damn, Derek was freaking awesome. That was, and you paid for the tacos, even though I <laughs> wanted to pay. You're like, no, man, I got it. And I was like, damn, I feel bad. He just helped me out tremendously, paid for tacos. And now I'm like, I have this like little note. And ever since then, I was like, man, uh, that guy's awesome. That's definitely a cool guy. And so this time around, I was like, I'm bringing my notepad because who knows what kind of takeaways <laughs> I'm going to get from this guy. Uh. Um, but uh, yeah, man, I mean, I think. Last time we spoke, we really just spoke about me and my business. I never really, I know you um, traveled to Brazil. Mm -hmm. um, you didn't didn't go into formal education, right? You're like, no, I'm not going to go into college. Is that I, right? I did eventually. You did eventually. Yeah. Okay. okay. But, but there, not off like, the bat. Nah, and I, I, even in college, I was like, eh, I don't, this isn't for me, but because I, I hadn't really stuck to a lot of things. I was a guy trying to do everything all the time right, and like right. super just shiny object syndrome <laughs> i was like i'm gonna stick this out and i'm, I'm glad i did i yeah, got yeah. to to learn how to commit to long-term things like a yeah. four-year thing yeah where'd you study at uh uc davis uc davis and what'd you what'd you major in uh like psychology and cognitive okay. cognitive awesome. science and brain stuff hell yeah so i mean we're here in your loft man it's super cool <laughs> very very cool and uh you have an a new spot in San Antonio, Texas. I don't think I've ever asked you, and I don't know if you're comfortable sharing, but like, what what did you do to get to this place in life? Because I'm like, <laughs> you asking me, I'm like, this this is 
this is a dream. Well, that's cool, man. Thanks. Yeah, it's it's fun. This is, uh, uh, you know, there's I think there's points in life where discipline. Like I definitely had to learn discipline. Okay. I had to learn the discipline of like going to sleep early. Discipline of uh, a lot of things, like doing hard things, taking advice from people, like from the right people, finding right. good advice. So it's just like right. a combination. And then you, you mentioned earlier, it's been about it compounds. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, in fact, the accelerators group, I saw one of their, you know, things they were working on was how how many years you've been working on your overnight success. And I was like, oh, that's so cool to think about it like that. And, uh, you know, just kind of bounced around. I think in, in a lot of times in life, we're presented with these paths. Like you can go down this path or go down that path. And the, the ones I found that, ended up with the greatest reward were the ones that re- usually came with the most pain and the most sacrifice. Interesting. Yeah. So like which ones, what paths were those that, that and what kind of uh, sacrifices and did yeah. those include? Yeah. You know, it just kind of, uh, it, it depends on which time. There's, I can think of a, a handful of them. Like coming here, you know, was actually uh, like at a very stable, legitimate, like localized um, business in Northern California because mm-hmm. I, so I lived in Brazil and I was like, actually even in Brazil I had an English program and I was going to spend half my time living in Brazil running this English program and then build a similar one in Miami because mm-hmm. I had this like really cool model I kind of figured out and then my grandma got sick and you know I was like you know grandma's important so I'm going to move start over again for like the you know 20th right. time or whatever oh, and uh, had had a savings built up, but had a very limited amount of time to like generate income. And I knew I was not going to take a, a normal job. Right. So like started a consulting company. Uh, very shortly after, realized not a good move. Like didn't want to do all this stuff on my own. Partnered up with this media company selling advertising and built. But it was all local. Like it was all all my clients. I got 150 whatever clients, and they were all within a probably 10 20 mile radius. Oh wow! So, so coming here was like giving up that income uh-huh. um, that revenue stream to like okay I'm going to start over again not really starting over because you develop skills and right. thinking and, and partnerships but uh, yeah so it was like even when I got here I was like alright am I going to do like now now what you know yeah and so just kind of having reset moments like that because of doing like when you're talking about building your field like I, I don't want to live in Northern California because living there you know to be close to my grandma and help her out but definitely wanted to be in a place that i was super happy about like well yeah, near the beach right right so right. you just kind of I, t- I talked to a lot of people where um even breakups man like i've had some rough breakups that were like two paths like i want to go down this path and the person i'm with is like on a great path but doesn't want to go down that same one right with yeah. me and the yeah. In order for me, I think, to feel happy long term, like I've had to make some of those decisions. Yeah, man, totally. <laughs> I think, uh, I think, you know, talking about purpose and, and my partner, it's like sometimes we weren't on the same path. Mm-hmm. And and we think back a couple years back, and I was like, you see, you should have listened to me because we should have <laughs> gone that, that path. We would have been well off. And then now she realizes, mm-hmm. like, wow, yeah, I should have kind of just been on the same boat. But, um, 
Yeah, that's that's awesome, man. Thank you for sharing that. Um, you have a kid to anchor you in there too for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's not my kids. Uh, my kids from a, a previous relationship. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that that definitely uh, kind of added to the adversity and challenges that yeah. I had early on, and a big reason why I need you know supplemental income. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> so. Uh, but uh, no, and another reason is like my son plays flag football and I also felt like this business model is something that I could share with him. It's like, um, to your point, like there's a lot of sacrifices into certain paths you take. And I knew like um, I had to take on a, uh, number one, I needed to generate separate income, right? Uh-huh. And working on cars and having, even though I want to do father-son time, kids don't really like cars until they're older. Some kids really do like cars, but my son wasn't really one into it. And I was like, even though I'm making an extra income and it's a hobby and yeah, we could have father son time. It just, it, I realized like that's um, a little one sided right now, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I realized like this sport, making flags, you know, um, going out to his flag football games, him coming out to my flag football games, the environment, um, you're kind of killing two birds with one stone. So that path didn't really include a lot of sacrifices. So again kind of just thinking about you know things like that um helps you decide you know what path you want to take sometimes you know um but uh so so right now what's what's your main um your main hustle let's take let's take one pause real quick yeah just because i know i turned on alexa alexa timer off i've never done that before i was not just not a smart move oh (laughs) alexa Alarm off. Your alarm is now set. What? I, didn't I set it earlier? Okay. Pretty sure you well, did. Well, we're going to have to edit that part out. So, all right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I'm I'm working with uh, like two sales teams. Essentially, a really a pretty good size sales team. Probably like 60, 60 people, business to business sales. Primary. 60 people? There's like 60 people on the team. So, I run like a pretty decent, you know, multi-million dollar part of the organization. And that's fun. That takes up a lot of time. Oh, snap. <laughs> okay, so what do you... So, all right, so you run this department, and it's about 60 um, employees. And uh, so what, what What do they do? Yeah, so it, well, and here's the crazy part, though. And this is why I think culture and, like, talking to you about accountability, like, those things stick out to me a lot when I'm mm-hmm. thinking about certain things because none of them are employees. So they're all independent contractors. Okay. Like essentially, like, quote unquote, do what they want. Right. So you don't really like in that environment. One thing I love about it is you're you're consistently creating accountability through culture, through action, right. through leading each other, helping yeah. each other out, and uh, um, you have to have a lot of like strong, self motivated people. Yeah. So very very strong yeah. personalities, and it's just pretty cool. So that's. Yeah. B two B marketing advertising that's been kind of my, my specialty okay. over the last like six years. So they they go out and try to attract accounts for yeah. them to sign up for their marketing and ultimately bring them businesses more profit. Do they focus on CBD primarily CBD uh, businesses products? No, so that was just like a that was a year I was working with that startup. I was doing that, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't even know it was a full year. It was like it was like thirteen months, fourteen mm-hmm. months. December of 2019, it was really interesting timing when all this stuff hit because yeah. I, in December of 2019, I was like, I'm going to hit a hard reset and do nothing. So I actually peeled back from everything and just took um, 
like kind of a month. I actually went to an Airbnb in Mexico and like okay. didn't do didn't do anything. It was just like journaling and kind of reflecting on some stuff. You need those. You need those. Yeah, that I th- I think that's really important in life. What do they call the seven year itch? I I think I I heard of um, people wait until the end of their life to retire, and a lot of people I, f- I forgot where I read this from, but they are recommending do a midterm retirement. Hmm. Why not split up your retirement? Retire like for a year or take two years, three years, you know, like say once you're 30 or 40 years old, 35, 40 years old, you know, retire for a year or two, reset yourself, and then boom, get back into it. You're going to be way more rejuvenated. You're going to, you know, be more productive throughout the final years of your career, and you're still going to have your retirement. It's, uh, I think I've done that like three times already Dude, in it's life. Legit. It's uh, legit. Well, because in the educational system, like, well, I think they have it's like sabbaticals, right? Like they'll have yeah. a professor work for four years or three years or whatever it is. And they take a year off to like ride and work on their work on their work instead of in their work. Yeah. And, and we as people, I think it's a lot easier to do in the, in the business world. Mm-hmm. If you build a business and you, you know, sell it or you work on a startup for a year and then you kind of exit out like those kind of yeah. things. So, yeah, but it is, we need time to reflect and for sure be alone and figure things out. Definitely. So, so you did that and then now you're with this new company. What's the name of the company? Yeah. So I went, actually we ended up going back and working with a company that I worked with before. So they're called best version media, best version media, yeah, pretty, pretty dope group of people. Um, it's incredible. Like, they spent about a week pivoting during the pandemic and then have just been having record breaking week after week after week after week. Like this year is just on a tear. So they're, they're super sharp, highly motivated, like very hardworking. What's their main business model? Just helping people, businesses out with marketing, advertising, multi-channel marketing campaigns. At the local level mostly. Yeah. yeah. Digital to, I mean, they're, they're working on some, like, newer projects, too. Uh, they're building something that looks like it could be, like, the next ESPN type thing, which oh, is pretty wow. neat. Yeah. That's awesome, dude. That's yeah. super cool. Um, and then uh, I was going to kind of recommend to you this uh, book, Zero to One, by Peter Thiel. Are you okay. familiar with Peter Thiel? I am, yeah. yeah. So He's been interesting lately yeah. with all the crypto stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's started PayPal. You know what I mean? He was one of the... Uh, one of the yeah, I mean, he started PayPal, right? And then he uh, absorbed Elon Musk. His He acquired his business, <laughs> which they were competitors, and then the whole dot-com crash happened, and they're like, well, we'll just acquire you guys. He talks a lot about zero to one, which is like, you know, starting a new industry, starting a new business, starting a new, like, from scratch, never been done before, right? Mm-hmm. He's in, and one, one of the takeaways from that book was, like, you're not building a company, you're not building a business, you're building a culture. Mm. Uh, so that's that's what you're doing so you're hiring for culture you're hiring characteristic characteristics yeah. behaviors you know uh what drives them what do they believe in beliefs you this, know this guy that built um best for me i mean there's a few of them partners yeah. but the ceo the you know original founder he has part of his recruiting process he has a little video um that's a pretty pretty cool video like really sharp but it, it says uh, it's all driven off culture, and it says mm-hmm. culture eats strategy for breakfast. Oh, yeah, 100%. I like that. <laughs> I like yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, um, 
Yeah, my team was pretty much compromised from people that we met that play flag football and that have the skill set that we need for the business. Like, mm-hmm. all right, you play flag football, but you do marketing for, you know, real estate. And so that's one of my partners. Her name's KC. And I was like, oh, yeah, dude, you like the product? You like the business? Like, let's definitely collaborate. And then another um, another team member that just joined, his name's Chase, Chase Prattle. He's from Escondido. And he's a graphic designer by trade, and he ordered some flags off us. And I know they're graphic designers because they design their own flags, and they send it to us. I'm like, did you design this? Like, yeah. I'm like, he gave me his shipping address, and it's like, I was like, hey, you're local. I was like, let's meet up. And so, uh, again, I only kind of, you know, invite people onto the team if they 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 play the sport, they know the sport, they know the community, they're passionate about it, and they have that creative mindset. And it's like, all right, cool. Then you find this entertaining and it would be very easy for you to take on side projects and you find, you know, uh, you find them fun and entertaining. And, but at the same time, we're using that to kind of push the needle and drive business. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's fun that you say that, that, that so <laughs> culture eats strategies for breakfast. Culture that's fucking yeah. awesome. It is. It's, I, I even found this really cool quiz I can share with you and it's, it's one of the most, um, I had a friend describe it in, in LA. She described it as confronting in terms of like a quiz. Like there's a lot of personality and recruiting and kind of assessment quizzes, things like that. And they have, they have value in terms of personality type, mm-hmm. you know. But this is, a, it actually, uh, I'm probably already telling you too much. You're not supposed to reveal a lot of it before someone takes it. But it, it, it measures, it's called like virtues. Mm-hmm. and traits that are super important for working a, as a team. And I, I do believe right. um, that once you're aware of, like, what the scores are, you actually can work on certain things. But um, I've shared it with a ridiculous amount of people. And let's, let's call it 100 people maybe, maybe more. And I can think of one person ever that said, uh, I don't think this is accurate. Everybody else was like, uh, this is crazy. Is that the... Um the one where you have to answer a hundred questions? No, it's it's way less. It's uh, it probably takes like seven to ten minutes. Oh, interesting. And it's super. Um, it, it asks you pretty pretty deep stuff, like you know, is it ever okay to? And you have to rank them from like strongly disagree to like totally agree type yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, is it ever okay to lie to somebody to make them feel good? Right. Yeah, I took a there's a there's a <laughs> test. Um, I forget the name of it. It's very, very popular. A lot of um, what do you call um, organizational psychologists, pretty much psychologists that go work with hard, large CEOs to kind of understand company culture and fix company culture or, you know, work with management teams to see how they could work more cohesively and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to text you the name of this, uh, test, but you pretty much have to answer a hundred questions and then it'll give you five characteristics and then it'll rank those five characteristics from like one to five. And so some of these characteristics are like command, analytical development. Mm. Um, I think there's a list of 25 or 30 of them. Um, but they ultimately show like what your strengths are, like what your personality type is. And um, that is going to entail how you communicate, how you work in a team, how you work individually, how you work you know, accountability, mm-hmm. because it's, a, it's like 100 questions, right? <laughs> 
and then this psycho this uh, organizational psychologist will look at your your breakdown look at your characteristics look at your team's characteristics breaks all that down and then kind of like provides a consultation of like this is how um uh, Derek likes to be instructed. This is how he likes to be motivated. This is how he likes to be provided feedback based on your characteristics. I need to get you this, this breakdown, but um, it is does cost some money. You do have to sign up for it. There is a book that comes with uh, with it to give you um, a breakdown of each characteristic. I think each characteristic has is it like, like two the strengths finder. The strengths finder yeah, two point That yeah. one, yes. <laughs> I'm like, it, it was spot on. When I did it, I was like, mm-hmm. I was going through. I was like, God damn it, 100 questions. It better be worth it. <laughs> and when we were done doing it, we were all shocked of how our whole team was like, it's bullshit. It's 100 questions, whatever. We're all like whining about it. And then once we actually completed it, we met at the the, the conference room and they give us our results and everything we were all freaking shocked of how accurate it was and i knew a couple of people in my team like i've been working with them for years and i was like oh wow that's exactly <laughs> that person you know uh-huh. it's insane how accurate it was but uh but yeah man um what were we talking about that <laughs> that, that tied into that's good it's good to be self-aware it's good to uh how are you doing on time yeah, we should be. We're, we're good. Okay. You know, like a couple more minutes. Five more minutes. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah it's good. It's, those, I think the first time I took one of those tests was like in community college, and it was uh-huh. pretty good to be sort of self-aware. I wish I would have known that in community college. <laughs> I wish I would have had one of those. Well, and even then, it's like I didn't know what to do with it. I was like, yeah, that's me. So like, then you have to, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, what do I do with this? You have so to be ready. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's crazy, man. But uh, yeah, I Definitely, definitely appreciated you hitting me up to come out. I was like, hell yeah, man. I'll go <laughs> out there, dude. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, if there's any any other questions, any other follow-ups or anything like that, definitely hit me up. Um, this was an absolute great time to catch up with you, man. What's the name of your podcast, by the way? Uh, it's called the, uh, the Human Derek Podcast. The Human Derek Podcast. Uh-huh. I like it, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll send you a link. Um, uh, give yourself a plug. Like, how can people find you? How can they find your business? Yeah. So, um, Gridiron Flags, we're on Facebook and Instagram. Um, hashtag or handle is at Gridiron Flags. You could email us at gridironflags.com. Um, we're local here in San Diego, starting upcoming business. And so, um, yeah, that's how you can find us. You can ship them anywhere. Ship them anywhere in the U.S. We've shipped to Brazil, France, and the Bahamas. Um, okay. What about India? And Australia. Um, India, not yet. <laughs> I recently discovered there's a percentage of, of, of listeners that are from India. I was like, that's very surprising. That's super cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, if you're interested, I'm sure we'll, we'll figure out a way to make it happen. Um, and uh, yeah, worldwide shipping. It's awesome, and your designs are top notch. It's it's been super fun, you know, scoping them out and seeing yeah. kind of where it was, you know, when we first met, and just mm-hmm. the advancement of your even the photos and content and just all that great stuff that you're doing. So, so work in progress, but we're you know slowly but surely Looks moving great. in the right direction. Thank you. Keep it up, man. Thanks for being Appreciate here. Appreciate it. All right. <laughs> oh man, that's crazy.